welcome to the Never Not Creative podcast, season three. We're here, Never Not Creative podcast, and um, we have two guests today. We're very, uh, no, it's just the one. We've doubled the uh, quantity and, and I dare say more than doubled the quality. Oh, hey, too kind. Uh, and we, so we have um, Chris Friel and Nina Nyman from Unlimited. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to uh, great to have you both with us. Um, now, Unlimited. I've known. I know a lot about Unlimited now after the last uh, sort of year and a half. But some people, strangely, might not. Would you mind uh, taking us through what Unlimited does and um, what your roles are there? Yeah, sure. No, I'll kick that up. Off. Um, would love to. And thanks for having us as well. It's lovely to be here. So in a nutshell, we are a social purpose organisation that work with the marketing, media, creative industry to unlock their skills, time, funds, resources to drive value to our charity partners. Um, and then vice versa, we work with our charity partners to unlock the magic of what they do and give back to the industry in various different ways. And a lot of what we'll talk about today with the mentally healthy stuff is exactly that. It's working with our charities. So we work with 15 different charities, all in the youth at risk space. So young people are our focus, but that's quite a broad range. That's like zero to 25. And these charities are national across Australia and, and tackling a whole host of different issues. I'm Chris and I am the CEO of Unlimited. And I'm Nina, and I'm the CMO of Unlimited. So I head up all the marketing, PR, and comms um, sort of things, and I also lead our mentally healthy kind of projects and co-chair the Mentally Healthy Change Group with you, Andy. We do. And I met you guys through one of your charities, in fact. It was um, Atia. That's right, yeah. So that was around the time Never Not Creative was looking at doing a survey around mental health in the industry. You guys were doing almost exactly the same thing at the same time and we agreed to join forces and Batia let us know that, oh, it looks like you're both doing this, why don't you get together? Is that what happened? That's how it happened. There yeah. you go. <laughs> I didn't know that. I was like, where did Andy come along? How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> it feels like I've been here for years. Yeah. And you'd done all of the hard work as well, so thank you for that from that survey Every perspective. Every mind had done all of the hard work. <laughs> I think it's very easy for us to swoop in and take the credit, but... Uh, and they've done it again just recently, in fact. So, um, yeah, our new, in fact, our new survey is probably out right now. And uh, we'll put a link to it on the show notes. Yes. Um, <clears throat> the better data, more data we have, the better. So please do visit that and fill it out for us. So Nina and Chris, you've had, you've, you're very lucky to get such purposeful roles. Um, what drove you to this point? Could you, do you see yourself going back to being more of a direct part of the industry now that you've started this? I think for me it was really um, becoming a mum. You know, you have to, I kind of just felt like I had needed to justify the time I spent away from my little baby. Um, So I wanted to do something that's more meaningful and purposeful. Um, I think at the same time, you know, when you first experience that kind of unconditional love for your child, um, you know, kind of we know through the work that we do how many kids there are who don't really get to experience that. And there's a lot of kids who are born into a lot worse circumstances than I was or my daughter was and just felt really strongly that I wanted to be able to help them in in some way while still using my kind of core skills and expertise in doing that. And um, and luckily, an opportunity came to to work with Unlimited. And um, and I'd volunteered with Unlimited before in my previous role 
role. And uh, and I still remember the day that I ran a kind of marketing workshop for the unlimited charities um, as just as a volunteer. And that was still like the best day of my previous job. So I kind of knew that that would be something that I would love to do a bit more in the future. I think everyone who's like touched unlimited has probably gone at some point. Oh, uh, do you have any job, many more jobs? <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah. Maybe in the not too distant future. We are growing a little bit, aren't, aren't we? And the other part of the question, Nina, would you go back? Would you leave? Uh, Answer this carefully. <laughs> 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 I think I would really struggle to, to, to do anything else than this. I think it's um, we, we're so lucky because we get to work with some absolutely incredible charities um, and do really meaningful and purposeful work and meet some totally amazing human beings through that. And at the same time, we get to still hang out with all the kind of industry that we know, you know. So we, we got the kind of, you know, where we got the best of both worlds. We're still, you know, working with the industry and people we, we know and, and the industry that we love, and then getting to, to do something really meaningful and meet these kind of different kind of people through the charities. You have quite a, a, a big story of how you got to Unlimited. <laughs> do I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always been, like, you've always told your story really well. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, there's, there's lots of different things. Look, it was luck, me actually coming into this role. Um, you know, I was um, forced into redundancy when Pandora closed its doors in Australia and New Zealand and really didn't know what to do. Um, I knew what I didn't want to do, which was kind of the same thing. I think I was, I was done with that. I'd been a sales director for quite a few years. Um, I just didn't know what it was. And then unlimited kind of came to me I feel really really lucky it was just fortuitous timing um, I'd been involved with Unlimited for a number of years through the cricket event that, uh, that I'd organized um, and the opportunity was there and it was put in front of me and you know after consideration you know, got to look at all elements bit of a difference financially from where I was before um, but it was a no-brainer a real no-brainer and I think two years in just over two years now it's I, w I, w I would never change it. I, I feel really, really fortunate and lucky to be in this role. And I actually feel much closer to the industry than I ever have before because it's pretty unique at Unlimited. We work with everybody across the industry, you know, creatives, media people, tech people, industry bodies, you name it. Um, so we're in a really unique position of, of seeing the whole industry and being part of that, and, and I love that. Yeah, sometimes being sort of a satellite organisation gives you more insight into everything as a whole than when you're deep in it, you just sort of know your own kind of bubble. We have that here, don't we? Like, yeah. We I know many more and much more about the industry now at Streamtime than because we're a supplier almost to the industry. Mm. Well, we noticed that a lot with the mental health work that we've done as well is that because we're a little bit like Switzerland, people kind of mm. <laughs> open up to us quite a lot. Safe space. Yeah. Exactly, you know, because we're impartial and we, you know, all about helping young people and so on. You know, a lot of people do share their stories very openly with us, which is part of the reason why we kind of started getting involved with, with mental health in for our industry in, in the first place. So, so you and I chair the group, uh, which was never really planned as a group. We just had lots of people come to us after the survey saying they wanted to do stuff to help. What have you been most surprised about since we sort of formed the group? 
I think what's really surprised me is just how much can be done when you get the right yeah. people in the right place. Um, like I said, it was just, um, you know, after that Mentally Healthy 2018 survey, um, so many people just reached out to us and said, like, I can totally relate to these, these results. What can I do? How can I help to make our industry more mentally healthy? And we just had so many of those people. We thought, well, let's bring them together. Let's set up a group. We decided to call it Mentally Healthy Change Group in that first meeting, I think. Um, How imaginative of us. <laughs> <laughs> Very. Does exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and, and then everyone's just, you know, everyone who's there is there, you know, from the industry, but brings something completely different to the group. Everyone's incredibly passionate about, you know, changing, changing the industry and, and improving the mental health. And everyone brings their own kind of professional skills and, you know, you kind of skills that to, to drive different projects. And um, like everyone wants to be there. People just get shit done all the time and, and really good stuff as well. So it's only been running for like nine months and there's so many different projects that we've kind of, you know, driven through that group. Group um, that's you know had really positive uh, results in in the in the industry. So, you know, yeah, I think that's been amazing just to see how, what can happen with just a group of you know volunteers. And I think we're getting our first uh, New Zealand member uh, for the next New meeting. New Zealand member, mm, yes, right. going international. Yeah. <laughs> Very well respected New Zealand executive creative director. Oh, yes. that's very exciting. Very exciting. Mm. So given, given all of this and given the diversity of people that you have on the change group, you, I assume you'd have some good responses to this. Um, what are the biggest challenges we face when it comes to mental health at work in our industry? Yeah, certainly from my perspective, time is, is just the lack of time or um, having so much to do in such little time puts a lot of pressure. Um, onto onto people and I think we put a lot of pressure on each other and on ourselves within our industry as well you know sometimes you know as an individual certainly from my perspective I know I can be my own worst enemy as well you know deadline after deadline must do this must do that a to-do list that never disappears as well and that that takes its toll um, and you know certainly with my background coming from a sales environment and lots of people have got commercial targets and various other elements across our industry. Um, you're, no, you're never really allowing yourself the time to go, actually, that was quite good. You're always moving on to the next thing, um, and then the next thing, and the next thing. Um, so we don't really take that much time to reflect, I don't think, as an industry. We're very fast-paced. We're always looking forwards, never really looking looking back. Um, so I think that, for me, is a real puts a real stress on people. I think we also like. I think our industry, compared to some other industries, um, I think you know we we know that these kind of results are quite normal for different industries. You know, um, Everymind did the small business survey, and there was quite similar kind of levels of, of stress and depression and anxiety. But I think what's a um, little bit different in our industry is that it's, it's a really young industry, um, and I think what happens a lot is that a lot of people get into these jobs. Um, they're really good at their job. They get promoted quite quickly, so they get into these senior management and leadership uh, positions quite quickly, often without any training um, or experience so if you get into those roles and you don't really have any any kind of experience or, or training on how to deal with your own mental health or with you know with your staff members mental health that can be quite a difficult position to be in um, and I think that's something that's quite unique for our industry and 
I think the other thing kind of just from like think about myself you know I kind of just fell into advertising I didn't really know what I wanted to do so I was like oh there's a job in a media agency I'll go and do that and then 20 years later I'm, I'm still here but I think a lot of you know going into advertising is not necessarily one of those roles where you dream about as a, as a little kid that you know like you know you want to be a doctor or a lawyer um, you often people just like kind of land in in this role so I think what we find a lot of people, like people are kind of lacking a little bit of purpose and and you know meaning in in their in their roles. Um, I was I've been reading a book by Johan Hari about the, the lost connections and he lists like uh, nine different reasons for for depression and uh, one of them is uh, like meaningful work and and purpose. So. You know, there's a saying that we often quote is that, you know, in advertising, we're not exactly saving lives. Um, and I think that can kind of play a bit of a role um, in, in, in our industry. You know, we see that a lot. You know, a lot of people come to us, you know, kind of wanting to do something a bit more purposeful through the kind of projects that we do and, and the kind of events that we run and so on. You know, they still want to keep their day to day job and, and pay the mortgage, but, you know, they can do kind of stuff through us that keeps them a bit more meaningful and they can really use their skills for good. It's interesting. I mean, I think there's quite a few creatives that come into the industry expecting to be able to change the world. Like you're kind of you're sold that quite a bit. Um, and you know, I was with uh, a university the other day, and you know, they get 16 similar actually. You get 16 different charity partners to come in, and they give their students a brief, and the students work on that over the course of the next um, 12 12 weeks. And I mean, if you've had that experience, you're not necessarily going to get that same opportunity when you come out of university. So I think yeah. there's quite a high expectation for some. Definitely the, the creatives that are, I can change the world when I come out of here. And then when they go, you know what, actually, can you just do that um, brochure for Combank or that flyer that's you know, going to go out for Australia Post and just that one that you always throw away at the end of your, <laughs> end of your driveway. Um, and you go, I did that. And there you see it you know, half wet and soggy and ripped. So I think that, yeah, there's definitely that kind of expectation management. And then there's the resilience of, you know, you expect to, that all your ideas are going to get up and, you know, everything's going to be amazing. And you're, you know, you've been told how great you are. And then someone goes, no, it's not good enough. Do it again. And that's a tough, it's pretty, it can be quite a tough when we got the results because we all kind of had an inkling of probably more than an inkling that there is a problem in the industry um, and yeah there are there is a problem in most industries and you know nationally and mental ill health is certainly something on the rise but there are dy different dynamics in different industries what were some of the results that you kind of expected and then any of the results that sort of surprised you when we got to that I think one of the things that we kind of talked about beforehand, and I think both of us were kind of expecting, that we kind of expected to see quite a big difference between the, the subgroups within our industry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we kind of thought that, you know, clients have it easy, you know, the agencies are, you know, <laughs> going to be really depressed. And, and there was barely any yeah, difference. You know, there was some tiny little kind of nuances, but in general, it was it was a problem shared, you know, yeah. um, across all those different subcategories. So I think that was probably the biggest surprise for me. The other one was the... Um, more people will go looking for help with mental health in their workplace than they will go to a doctor. Yeah. Um, which then suddenly starts to say, well, not that workplaces have to fix people, but they certainly have to be, they have to know how to address it um, and make sure that they're not making them any worse. Um, but yeah, when you've got more people likely to go to someone at work than a doctor, that's, that's a bit of a challenge. Um, and not something that you can sort of stick your head in the sand. No. But I think that's kind of understandable because you spend, 
if you have a good work culture, or you even even if you have a toxic work culture, but you're sharing a toxic work culture, um, you see these people every day, and there is sort of a casual relationship that you might strike up. Where I, I've certainly met some of my two of my absolute best friends from all of us working in a place that was not so great for us, um, and I think. It's, it's interesting, but actually in hindsight, probably not something I would have predicted, but not surprising that those... So, you, so in adverse, sort of in adversity, you developed these great relationships. <laughs> <laughs> True, though. I mean, it, uh, yeah, it happens. People combing back. Out, out of disaster, good things I, come. I mean, it's yeah. true, though, yeah, isn't it? You, you look at it now. You look at it with yeah. the bushfires. Yeah. I mean, devastating um, what's happening, but yeah. brings communities together. Mm. And sometimes... It is in those adversity elements that people come together. So, Chris, quite a few times over the past 18 months or so, you've, whether you wanted to or not, actually become a bit of a figurehead for a lot of the work that we've done, because it's often you're behind the lectern and, uh, or up with the, the PowerPoint. How do you find the, <laughs> the reaction from the top echelons of the industry We've been with this subject for quite some time and thinking about it, and we talk about it most weeks, every month, but then you get in a room with someone and you're going to present this stuff for the first time. It's, it, it's quite hard to have them get to the same point as you so quickly. What, what do you find when you, you know, you went, you've been to the Hunter Valley um, with the Agency Leaders Symposium. We've met industry bodies. Um, how have you found the reaction as we've been out talking? Yeah, I think it is a journey. You kind of alluded to that for people when we're presenting results and we're confronting them with what often is quite confronting results as well. You know, our industry is 20% more likely to suffer from mild to severe forms of stress and anxiety. Um, and they're hearing this firsthand. Um, some for the first time, it takes time for them to absorb that. So you've got a real mixed bag of reactions, I think, from people who just get it because they know it, they're doing things about it, they're living in it, they're part of that, and people who don't. And it takes time for them to go, really? Okay, you know, we've, we've had, you know, we've had people going, I had no idea there was a, an issue um, around this, right up to people who are at the forefront of excellent practice in terms of supporting their, their employees as well, so. I do remember a meeting we had where there was one person who said, and what was good, kind of good about this was at least they got up and said it, which was, what? What is this? I must be the, like the dumbest person in this room. I don't even know what you're talking about. Is this, is this actually a problem or not? I mean, I, I think quite a few people were quite surprised by that response. Um, but then, you know, he kind of committed to going to go, well, I need to go and find out if yeah. this is a thing yeah. in our industry. And so at least there's at least that kind of impetus to, to do something. And that's kind of part one of the main reasons why we're, we're focused on this work as well and continue to focus is to have that conversation and get that conversation going. And I think over the last you know, year, 18 months, everybody's seen you've got to be living under a rock if you haven't actually um, seen that the conversation around mental health is definitely kind of propelled significantly uh, you know I talk to Nina sometimes and without sounding evangelical I think there is a movement around mental health and people wanting to support 
um, each other and the industry. And that's another thing that I love about our industry is we are, you know, very supportive of each other when we want to be. We can be really, really strong um, and united together. And I think that's been a great thing that's come out of this. Different people take different times to get there, but I think most people are getting there or there or want to be there and they want the outcome to be one where our industry thrives. Is there anyone specifically that you were disappointed about their reaction? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Can we link to them in the show notes? <laughs> They're getting there. Um, so you started with uh, the objective of addressing the stigma of mental health. Um, how do you think you're faring with that goal? What progress do you think? Yeah, I think that was like the one thing that came really strongly from that sort of initial study. It was, um, you know, 90% uh, of our industry would be very happy to, to work with someone who's been diagnosed with depression. But when it came to kind of sharing your own story, it was only 29% who would share if they'd been diagnosed with depression. So, so we kind of realized that there's quite a big stigma issue in our industry. Um, so, and we felt in that group that that was kind of a logical first step, you know, a logical first thing to kind of for us to tackle. So a lot of the initial projects have really been focusing on that, on that kind of smashing the stigma side of things. And we've done a lot of great things. You know, we've, um, we did the Heart on My Sleeve um, Industry Leaders book where a lot of agency CEOs um, shared their own kind of personal mental health story. Um, we've held like we've been at loads of different events. We've organised a couple of events, and we've spoken at like Advertising Week, Agency Leaders Symposium, many other events. So we've really kind of brought this topic to to all the industry events as well. And then we ran a, another kind of series called the Mindful Leader, which was again, you know, other people kind of share, you know, senior people in the industry sharing their stories with the with the hope that you know when you see other people sharing their stories, then when you need help, you'll feel more encouraged to to seek help and and share your own own story. So I think we've you know done really good work on that. Um, at the end of last year, we started to kind of move a little bit away from just smashing the stigma because we feel like that's, you know, like Chris said, like, you know, there's so much coverage now that, like, it's everywhere. Um, and we started to focus a bit more on the kind of what and how and, and the more practical solutions. So did things like uh, launching the industry minimum standards um, to give everyone like, a checklist of, of what, what's legally and ethically required from a company. Um, ran a mental health toolkit event to, to really talk about, like, how do you look after your own mental health? Um, and I think that focus will continue next year. Uh, some of the projects that we're working on now will very much play in that, that field of um, you know, how, we, how we can help our industry to tackle some of the big questions in, in mental health. It's something that we'll be launching soon. Um, and I think the biggest thing that's going to happen this year is, is we're going to be launching the, you know, running the Mentally Healthy 2020 survey. So that will be really interesting to see how that situation has changed. You know, we'll be asking those similar questions. Um, so we'll see if that stigma issue has you know, reduced a little bit. And then at the same time, we'll, we've been, we're going to ask a few extra co questions there as well about coping mechanisms and preferred kind of, you know, solutions. So that will give us a real insight on what we should be focusing going forward. So that's, um, that will we'll have, hopefully have those results in a couple of months' time and then we can plan accordingly. Coping mechanisms, and hmm. that's, oh, that would be really interesting to see. Drugs and alcohol, basically. That's, that's, <laughs> <a joke. laughs> yeah. that's what we're talking about here. Oh, definitely, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Pretending it's not there. And new drugs. It up. <laughs> new drugs. It was, it was actually quite funny when we were doing this survey with every mind and Andy yeah. and myself, and we're not the youngest of people, and we, we had a, we had to like consult the younger members of the industry yeah. to to choose the options for different drugs because <laughs> we weren't quite didn't quite know what to list there. I, I did when I did um, the mental health first aid course that Chloe ran, um, which 
which is another big thing that kind of came out of the group. Like, yeah. Chloe, Chloe trained about 120 people in mental health first aid. And um, one of the most enthusiastic parts of that course was everyone getting to name the drugs that might people might turn to at times <laughs> of, uh, of struggling with your mental health. And um, there's definitely stuff I'd never heard of. And then I think even, you know, there are a few people in there going, oh, no, I haven't, I haven't heard of that one. Where'd you get... It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't quite as much, you know, where'd you get that from, but not in the room anyway. Yes. Oh, now I'm, I'm really fascinated now. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, it's like when you watch The Wire. Next you know? level. It's yeah. like the wild, but yeah. those drugs are all out of date in fashion now, I guess. <laughs> um, so, how has your own opinion and behaviour changed about mental health since we've been doing all this all this work? Like, I, I wish I knew what I knew now, twenty years ago. Mm. Um, I think it would have made me a very different person, a different manager, a different type of boss. Um, and even just like some of the just the things of doing the mental health first aid training, like that's actually just really good leadership training I've, I've found. Um, so, I mean, you were both amazing people before this, but uh, <laughs> ha, did, are there any things now where you go, oh, you know, well, I definitely do that differently now. I know what I know. I think the one thing I've learned is like there's there's a reason why people are the way they are, and you know I remember the first time when I started and and you know before before I started I would have kind of thought about a kid who goes to prison as a kid who's done something bad they deserve to be in prison kind of thing, but when through the job that we do we met some of these kids who've been in prison and when you hear the stories and you hear why they're in prison, like I wouldn't have ended up anywhere else if I was born into those circumstances and dealt that hand that they were dealt. I would have done probably worse to be honest you know there's a reason for all that you know like we've heard these stories like you know one of the kids um, you know a young lad who had to look after his his little sister and little brother and went to steal food because he didn't have any anything else to do and he needed to feed these kids like and then you know that kind of whole circle you know that that, vicious that was circle. the role play we played out wasn't it at the, the big dream exactly exactly like, right you get asked these questions and there's just there isn't a good answer it's exactly. run from the police or get arrested or it's steal food or let your you know your brother be malnourished it's exactly yeah. and that's those are like real situations. those all those kind of yeah. those scenarios were based on real stories that we've heard from from the charities and that's kind of really made me realize that like i just i'm less judgy of people uh, for sure and i think the same applies for mental health you know like you often if someone's rude to you or sassy to you you know like you often take it personally like oh right they hate me and sometimes that's of course that's you know the case but <laughs> now i kind of realize that it's probably there's yeah. probably something at play of like i don't know what's happened to them during that day i don't know yeah. what kind of morning they've had i don't know what pressures they're under at that moment so probably be a bit more patient and and you know understanding of, of people and you, you just never know what goes inside their their head i can't imagine anyone hating you nina yeah that'd be pretty difficult but i think you know no on that like certainly from a mental health perspective for me i was probably in the old school camp um a couple of years ago of just you know head down get on with it don't talk about it crack on you know toughen up that kind of element and you very much through you know the journey of being at unlimited and the mental health stuff that we've done i'm a completely different person in that way um you know obviously the same person in many other ways but uh, uh, having that awareness and education and self-reflection the ability to actually be vulnerable and be comfortable being vulnerable and talking to people and 
you know, voicing whether it's my story or my feelings or thoughts has definitely, you know, been a really positive thing, I think, for me over the last couple of years. It's an ongoing thing, though, you know, as well. It's not like, okay, I'm going to tell my story of what happened here, and then, lo and behold, tomorrow's great, and the rest of the world's it's fantastic. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, a, a constant... I wouldn't say battle or anything like that, but it's, a, it's an always on job. Yeah. yeah, no two days are the same. Shit happens. <laughs> How do you find the balance of performance and well-being? Because I, th I think there's a concern by some people out there, which is, oh, well, if we take all this mental health stuff so seriously and it's just like, we're just going to create lovely places to work that don't get anything done. We'll be all right, but we won't grow. In fact, it might affect our performance and productivity and that kind of stuff. And we know the science isn't mm. necessarily there, but then there's times where, you know, someone's performance dips. It's got nothing to do with mental health. And so you have to address that. How would you find that balance in the, in the future? I don't know, Nina. How do we find that balance at Unlimited? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, th I think my, you know, constant, constant... Um, work isn't it you're always working to to try and create the best environment for yourself and and for your team as well and there's no you know you don't always get that right all of the time and there, there are times certainly in our industry you know you look at people pitch time is a, is yeah. a classic example where it's all in it's intense it's full-on you're working ridiculous hours and this that, and the other but it's part of our industry and it's exhilarating and I think it's hard to try and say we'll have balance in terms of what people traditionally think balance is, which is what, nine till five? I mean, that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in anyone's life anymore, I don't think. But I think what needs to happen is that for all of those periods of intensity, there's enough downtime as well for people to recover from that as well. You wouldn't have an Olympic athlete running continuously like Forrest gumping it all the time you know they'd have to have a rest if they wanted to maintain that peak performance and that peak fitness and it's the same with with your mind I don't think it is rocket science I actually think if we boil it down to to keep it quite simple um, then that's certainly my approach and, and I think I've always found with you like you have a good you'll, you have good clarity if, if something does start to go in a different direction or someone challenges something, as long as you're clear, you're actually quite quick to shut that down. I've seen, mm. I've seen this in action. Because mm. you meet Chris, he's like a big cuddly. <laughs> <laughs> he's just the nicest bloke in the world. And oh, then someone who, you know, where, where something doesn't quite go to plan, and then I see that kind of, well, no, that's not right because of this. And there's always like that, that cl clarity and priority, I think, can help, which is the bit between business and well-being. Business does have to perform. Um, and if things can be separated to go, well, you know what, that's a performance thing. But um, you, you know, you do need that clarity, and I'm yeah. a big believer in keeping things simple. You know, what's happening at Unlimited isn't just us going in each day and going, what should we do today? Yeah. Well, We've nice got we a do. plan <laughs> that everybody is really fully aware of, and everyone knows how they fit into that plan and the roles that they're playing. And if we get asked to do things that don't fulfill that plan, don't do them. It, it's not kind of, you know, in, a, in a, the loveliest form of the way, it's, it's not what we're here to do. Yeah. And um, you get through a lot. Like, how many events did you do last year? 20 yeah. of our own. And then, you know, we, we are very fortunate to get invited to other people's events, which yeah. is brilliant as well. So 
We do love a good event, though, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, and as an industry, it's, it's got to be about experiences. Yeah. That's what we're here for. You, yeah. you know, life is relatively short, so let's enjoy it. So back into prison like, this year? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think three, three states. Yeah, they might not let me out this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're doing the bailout in Sydney, Melbourne, and hot off the press, Perth, this year. So we've just launched into Perth and potentially looking at Brisbane as well to give us a bit of a national coverage as, as we grow. So, yeah, we'll be locking maybe 150 industry folk up for a night in prison this year. It's, uh, it's quite an experience. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you did it, didn't you, yeah, last year? I did, yeah. It's, I think the biggest thing I took out of it was this, like, just because you're in prison now, you're suddenly not a person. You know, there's the, the guy that's been, I always remember the first big dream event I went to and he got up on stage and told his story. I can't remember, what's his name? Steve. Steve. Yeah. And then he was at the, the bailout and as soon as you walk through the gates, the way you're treated, like you're instantly diminished, yes, you're a lesser, you're not even a person. You know, they say like you're the scum of, the, of society, mm-hmm. you'll never be, you know, a human being again. Don't think of yourself as human. Like, and it's just like, wow, suddenly that's what you are. And then what are you going to do? Like for people that have fallen into that, you're just going to play the role, right? I didn't realise until recently that if you have a sentence longer than three years, you can't vote. What, ever again? Well, until you've been released. You can't vote while you're in prison if your sentence is Can you still vote while you're in prison? If your sentence is less than three years. I didn't know that. Okay. I mean, yes. Because in a... uh, Side note, because in America, um, there's... You cannot vote if you're imprisoned, yeah. I believe, and then all the Democratic candidates are some are suggesting you should, some are suggesting sometimes. Um, and then I just thought, can you vote here if you're in prison? So I looked it up, and that, but <laughs> like, the, but being a citizen and not being able to vote is is really a, it is like stripping you of a yeah, right? yeah, it's just like, another like, thing that you lose. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of thing that you, yeah. you know, you are now you are lesser than mm. when you. Yeah, and for me with the, with the bailout as well, like one of my one of the things I'm most passionate about, and Nina touched on it when she was talking about kids that get locked up earlier on, is if we can't rehabilitate kids, mm-hmm. then w- what can we do? I mean, for me, it is criminal locking kids up in juvenile detention when you've got amazing organisations like mm-hmm. the White Lions or the Backtracks of the World who know that they can help those kids, mm-hmm. and all those kids are crying out for is somebody to believe in them. Yeah. yeah. And it's also the cost, you know, for the taxpayer. Like, yeah. It, yeah, it was shocking. Like, so it cost, it cost half a million dollars per person per year to have someone locked up in prison. Mm. You know, imagine what, what you could do with that money to, to rehabilitate, rehabilitate yeah. you know, a kid. Like, there's so yeah. much more you could do. Mm. Two big things out there right now, which we've mentioned already. So, Mentally Healthy 2020 survey minimum standards, why should people take part? It, well, in terms of minimum standards, I think, um, I guess just a bit kind of context on that one, that was um, a project that we launched after a lot of feedback from the industry where we started to talk about this um, you know, topic of mental health and a lot of people kind of said to us like, oh, it's just so overwhelming, there's just so many things to do, what, you know, do I need to provide yoga lessons and an in-house psychologist, like, what should I do? And we kind of thought, rather than kind of go, this is all the things you could do, let's go back to the absolute bare minimums and kind of go, 
what's the bare minimum that you know in like 2020 you need to be doing you know in terms of law um, and also like just ethically what's what's you know acceptable and it's really simple checklist it's purposely written for our industry so it takes into the realities of our industry like mm -hmm. things like yeah totally sometimes we need to work on a pitch and we have to work you know late nights and weekends but that should not be taken for granted and that should mm. be occasionally and so on so so that's um you know started really well we've got i think now about 75 companies who've signed up to mm -hmm. it already and just in the last couple of months and, and we'll be looking to to get more more people and more companies um signing that up last year sorry well 2018 when we did the first mm -hmm. survey we were kind of you know we were saying oh if we get like 200 300 that would be yeah. you know enough and then literally within two weeks it was nearly 2,000 people yeah. who filled in the survey which itself told us that this is a topic that really resonates with our industry and I think you know it now this year it's even more important to to get those responses a just to kind of see if there's anything that's changed you know uh, we're not we're very realistic I'm not expecting the the depression and anxiety levels to have dramatically dropped you know within if anything the they year. might go up because of awareness and people mm. coming you exactly. know exposing that they've got a, yeah. an issue but it would be really interesting to see if the stigma issue has, has been mm -hmm. reduced. And then we've got all these additional questions in there to really kind of ask some deeper questions. You know, we couldn't ask all the questions we wanted to in the first one. Um, and now we can kind of go a little bit deeper into those coping mechanisms and also looking at the kind of preferred solutions that, that be what would really help people in, in a workplace environment in terms of their mental health. So the more people we can get to reply uh, to that survey and, you know, from wide range of the industry, um, the better and then the more accurate that, that data will yeah. be. Mm. And it's worth, I guess, making the point, it's all completely anonymous. Um, mm. So. What you're doing is actually you're, you're kind of helping us help you because of all of the data that we do get back and then you know we saw what happened after just the first time so um, if we can you know try and recreate that again after the second time i think we can we can make things even better and you know what that survey as well like when you do it it's it's not often that you get like 10 minutes to just think about yourself think, yeah, you yeah, know so and it true. can be a bit of a good kind of checking tool with yourself to kind of go well actually how am i feeling and you yeah. know what you know how how's things going for me Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say like that data will guide what we do to support mm. the industry and people moving forward. So the more people that fill that in, the more we can work on supporting the industry. Mm. Yeah. Shall we wrap this up, Andy? Or? Wrapping it up. We, yeah. Well, we could wrap it up with, with that last it. final question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the second to second, the last yeah. one. There, <laughs> <laughs> what helps? you personally with managing your own mental health what what works for you i think uh, nina lives in queensland that helps yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, goes, she goes for eight kilometer runs on oh, 37 degree days that's so. true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a short stroll for nina um i think for me now i know for me that exercise is crucial yeah. it really is you know i go let's say a week with no exercise and I'm very grumpy and grouchy and my wife's kicking me out the door telling me to go for a run so <laughs> that really helps me balance um, my mental health Nina I, I'd say exactly the same exercise plays a big part for me like I'm not one of those people who can meditate with an app and sit in silence <laughs> and, and think about things so I just go a bit nuts with that uh, but I do that through running like that's my me time meditation you know um, therapy everything in, in one and it clears my head and, and I feel so much better from that so for me that that kind of really helps um, coloring with my five-year-old it's also um, very very good mm. um, and then I think the one thing I learned last year is that um, 
how important it is to take breaks. You know, like I think we both in the kind of camp that we absolutely love what we do, and we're very fortunate to have these roles. Uh, there's almost like there's also like too much love for your job, mm -hmm. and that sometimes even if you love your job, you can you need to take a break. Like you just need to have a physical break, and and I hadn't done that like you know enough in the previous years, and just getting a bit of bit of time off really can make a difference, no matter how much you enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. I'm a big fan of jigsaws as well, <laughs> <Are you? laughs> believe it I or not, that. as a random fact for you, yeah. but over Christmas, yeah. I think did four or five jigsaws and it's mm. just What's your piece count? Thousand, fifteen hundred? Oh no, fifteen hundred was yeah. the biggest one this time, I think, oh, there might have been a two thousand in there oh, actually. two thousand is, there's a limit where it gets just too <laughs> So what about those annoying. ones that are just annoying, like yeah. a very vague gradient of... Oh yeah. Like that. That's the do you do those ones? Like the ones that are literally That's black it. and a bit grey. Yeah, the, well, they're the tough ones, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. But, you know, not that extreme. I like a little yeah. bit of a picture in so there. So, like, where's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where's Wally? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do have a where's Wally one, actually. Yeah. It's a bit of a... Mm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you um, or follow you on social media? You go to unlimitedunltd.org.au or follow us on Insta or Facebook on at unltdaus or on LinkedIn at unltd. Unltd. I know. <laughs> 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 well, it's a contraction, right? So. Yes. Any. Uh, no, thank you. No, no it's been good. great. Lovely chat. Um, lots going on for us this yeah. year yeah. Um, as well. So. We've got our cricket event, which is um, the first cab off the rank in February in Sydney and Melbourne and Perth. Um, so get down there as well and just come and experience stuff yeah. with us as well. Mm. As it's well definitely as worth checking out the events section of Unlimited. Like there's literally nearly always something going on. Um, so it's, it's amazing how much you guys get through. On a team of what, seven? How many oh, people on your team? There's, there's actually 11 people 11. now, okay. but seven if you were working it as full-time yeah. equivalents. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. like it's ridiculous how much they get, they get done. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you again for coming on board. Thanks to Streamtime for having us here, letting us use the equipment, the space, time, everything. Um, it's a big help to keeping this running. What does Streamtime do again? Sorry. Oh, they're project management software for <laughs> creative <laughs> industry. Um, I've got to re refine my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, And of course, you can find Never Not Creative at nevernotcreative.org and at nvrnotcreative on most of the, the socials. And uh, thank you again. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thank, thank you. Thank you.